Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, first service. So this is who you are. Excellent. I love it. I love it. So good. We are, man, we're blessed, aren't we? Hasn't the Lord been so good to us? You know, Calvary Chapel Palace Verde started two years ago, and we get to celebrate that today. We celebrate that um, God is good and that he has done great things, he is doing great things, and he will do great things because we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. So although our service times have changed and you guys are the nine o'clock service, what we will continue to do as a church is to declare God's unchanging truth of his word. And so today, you can open your Bible to Nehemiah chapter eight. Today, we're going to hear what the Lord wants to speak to us, and there's something about the Lord's timing on things. He, he likes to line things up, and when we began studying the book of Nehemiah, we were still just talking about this transition to two services and what that might actually look like to pull off, and this is what that looks like. By the way, um, I was going to ask, how's the elbow room? But I can see there's, you know, there's not much, so... Um, <laughs> I guess second service might have a little more elbow room, but uh, wider aisles, that's nice. Um, But anyways, uh, in God's perfect timing, and especially within the last seven weeks since starting the the book of Nehemiah, we've we've continued to see more more and more people make this church their home. And what's been so beautiful in the life of this church is that we're seeing long-time believers being refreshed by the Spirit of God. We are seeing people who are hearing the Word of God and receiving the Word of God and receiving salvation, just as we saw last week, several people come to begin following Jesus as Lord and Savior. We're seeing people rededicating to following Jesus after years of not walking closely with Him. And in these two years, Because of all of that, we have seen our spiritual family grow. And since we've grown in strength and in number, that's why we've gone to two services. That's the practical reality of it. Um, But it's truly amazing to see God's good hand upon this church. That's where we give all the credit, all the glory is to God in his favor. The, The hand of God speaks of the favor and the blessing of God. And we believe that God's good hand is upon this good work. We believe that God is building his kingdom here, both in us and through us, and it's, it's good. You guys want to pray and thank God for that? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the work that you do in individual lives. And God, we thank you for the work that you're doing collectively as a body of believers called Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. We're thankful for this church. We're thankful for what you're doing in our midst. Would you continue to strengthen us with your mighty hand? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Nehemiah has been a book about building, and that's why it's been fitting for us to study it. It's about a people coming together to be renewed in the strength of the Lord and to thrive again with God being the firm foundation. And the first part of Nehemiah was all about the people coming out of exile from Persia and back into Israel, into the city of Jerusalem. 
And under the leadership of Nehemiah, they began that good work of building a wall around the city of Jerusalem. And it took 52 days to build that wall. Pretty fast, huh? And now the people were settled into their homes and they were beginning to experience the joy of living in the safety and the security of a walled city. And God was in the midst of that place with his people. And yet it wasn't without plenty of opposition, right? For the last three weeks, we have been studying how opposition comes from the enemy anytime a true work of God is happening. And yet what we saw is that the people persevered through it with the Lord giving them the strength. The Lord was fighting their battles. And so building and opposition have been the themes of this book so far. But, but what for? Like what's all this leading up to? And if the book of Nehemiah has corresponded so closely with the work that God is doing here at Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes, then what comes next? You know, what's all this building for? What, why is there opposition? What is God going to do next? God is going to bring spiritual renewal to his people. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that that is what God wants to do in us? He wants to renew us. And so the next few chapters of Nehemiah will speak to us about the reviving work of God that he wants to do in his people. And I'm praying that we would experience similar kinds of revival in the church. This book is transitioning from the building of a wall to the building of a people. Because walls and buildings have their place and purpose in the plans of God. We are thankful to have this building around us as we gather. But God is so much more interested in the people inside of the walls, the people inside of the building. He's not just looking to do construction. He wants to give instruction. He wants to speak to his people. God wants to renew his people, and he will do that by giving them his words. And so we're going to see today that the word of God is more powerful than any sword for defense or any trowel for building. God wants to take his word. He wants to use it to transform his people and to refresh them. And that's what we're going to see God do here in Nehemiah chapter 8. And that's what we're going to see God do in this church as we continue to gather around the word of God. So let's dive in it together. You ready? Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning now at verse 1. It says, And all the people gathered as one man in the square before the water gates. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Now I want you to understand that leading into Nehemiah chapter 8, there seems to be an eagerness among the people. There, there seems to be a readiness for what God is going to do. It seems that there is expectation in the air. Do you feel that today? And this is shown in how the people gathered and how they drew near to the Lord. You know the book of James declares to us that if we draw near to the Lord, 
the Lord will draw near to us. And that is what he's doing. And so what do we see in verse 1? We see first that the people gathered. They gathered in a similar way to how we're gathering right here this Sunday morning. And I get the sense that they gathered with eagerness, with readiness, with expectation. There was a sense that God was going to do something as the people gathered. And that's the kind of way that I want to come to church. That's the kind of way that I want us to come into this place when, when we believe with expectation and readiness and eagerness that God is going to move in our midst when we gather. That God is going to bring his power and his presence and he's going to do it by his word and by his spirit. And that is what we have experienced since the beginning of this church. And notice that it also says they gathered as one man. This speaks to how the people gathered with unity. They were of the same heart and of the same mind. And and this is a victory, right? Because as we've been seeing in the book of Nehemiah, the enemy was seeking to sow confusion and division among the people. And yet they overcame those tactics of the enemy. They, They stayed united in the building of the wall And now they're united in this great expectation that God is going to do a deep work of spiritual renewal among them. And so they gathered in the square, in an open area at one of the gates along the wall. And it is the water gate where they met, not the one you might be thinking of, right? See, the water gate along the wall was near the Gihon Spring along the Brook Kidron on the east side of the city wall. And if you want to draw a spiritual illustration from that location, we can think about how water is a natural reviving element, right? When you drink a glass of cold water, when you take a swim in a refreshing pool of water, what does it do? It renews you, right? You know, my family knows that water is my happy place. Uh, that if I am in any kind of body of water, especially if it's the ocean, I am at my best. Right, Kennedy? My daughter's right there. Thumbs up. Yes. And, And God uses water as an analogy for his word and his spirit. And that's why the people gathered at the water gate, because God's going to do a refreshing work with his word and with his spirit. So look at the second half of verse 1. It says, and they told Ezra the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So here we see that all the people gathered with unity of heart and mind, and they asked for Ezra to bring out the book of the law of Moses that the Lord commanded Israel. So we've got this priestly scribe. His name was Ezra, and he played a very important role in the leadership of Israel. In fact, there is a whole book written called Ezra uh, that tells about his roles that he had in the plans of God. And he was a leader that brought uh, the second wave of the Jewish people back into Jerusalem from Persia. If you remember, it was Zerubbabel who brought that first group of people back to Israel and he rebuilt the temple. And then it was Ezra who brought back the second group, and he instructed the people in the law, and he delivered God's commands to the people in that small and early remnant of Israel. And then 
13 years after Ezra arrived in Jerusalem, Nehemiah also came to per from Persia with a third group of people, and he was used to build the wall around Jerusalem. So here the people are. You've got the leadership of Zerubbabel, then Ezra, and now Nehemiah. They have the temple, they have the law of God, and they have a walled city. Now it's time to use this stuff, right? And so they tell Ezra, Ezra, bring out the scrolls. Ezra was a scribe, which means that he worked to preserve the law of God, to study the law of God, and to teach the law of God to the people. They asked him to bring out the book of the law of Moses. And in our Bibles, that would be the first five books. That would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, sometimes referred to just as the Torah or uh, the Pentateuch. And, and so we see here in verse 1 that it was just called the book of the law of Moses. Now, what did they do with this book? You know, did they bring it out and put it in a display case for the people to admire? Did they bring it out and tell the people, you know, Ezra can read this thing, but you can't? Did they bring it out and say, you know, this, this whole thing, this, this is ancient writings. We have some, something new for you. And then the people began listening as Ezra just went on with the most recent ramblings of his opinions. Is that what they did? What did they do when the people asked Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord commanded Israel? Well, let's see in verses 2 and 3. It says, so Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Does that sound familiar to anything you might experience? See, does, does it sound like something maybe we're experiencing right now as we gather at Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes? Because this is what we're doing right now, right? We, we are reading. We are hearing the word of God. And this is a timeless practice that we do in the church is we take the word of God, we read it in order that we could understand it. And so, both men and women and all could, who could understand what they heard, they were gathered in the square to hear. Now, they did this on the first day. This, this was on the feast, of, um, the feast of Trumpets that they were doing this reading of the law. We do it on the first day of the week, and we do it every week. And as a teacher of God's word, what I do is I, I take this book in the same way that Ezra took the book, and I read from it. And I, I read from it facing toward all of you in the same way that Ezra faced toward all the people. Um, we see now that since we have two services, we do this from early morning until midday. <laughs> and we read and we explain God's word in the presence of all who can hear and understand. And so while Ezra 
read from the Word of God, just as I am reading from the Word of God right now, the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. See, it makes me so happy to know that you are an attentive people to God's Word. That when God's Word is being read, you pay attention to what it says. Because nothing, nothing thrills a preacher more than to have people who are actively listening. Not just listening with your ears, but listening with your minds and your, your hearts and your spirits. You want to know what God is saying to you. And so we take God's word and we listen to it. And look, I don't want you just to be listening to me and my words, my thoughts, and my opinions. I want you to listen to what God says, that when I read God's word, I am simply trying to explain what God has spoken to us in his book. Amen? Amen. And so this is the activity that the people did as and it was the first mark of the renewal of the people of God, is that when people gathered for the purpose of hearing God's word, renewal was happening because when, you, especially guys, they were attentive to the word. They were hearing it and it was coming into them and it was coming into their hearts and into their minds of all who were hearing. And so in these first three verses, we can see that spiritual renewal was happening among the people simply because they wanted to gather to hear the truth of the word of God. And that's what we're doing here. We're here because God's word is powerful and we want to hear it and understand it. See, the word of God is so powerful that just by the sheer fact of listening to it, the word produces faith and renewal in its hearers. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes to us by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so it's in that process of hearing and believing and receiving that a person experiences the wonderful spiritual renewal of God that is called salvation. And salvation can only happen as we hear the word of God and what it declares to us about what God has done for us. And so for six hours, Ezra read from the Bible to the people. But it goes on to say how they went about doing this. Look in verses 4 and 5. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they made for the purpose. And beside him stood... Matt and Sean and, no, I'm just, uh, Billy, um, no, let's try, let's try this. Mattatiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Maasiah on his right hand, and Pedadiah, Padiah, and Meshael, and Malkijah, and Hashem, and I love this one, Hashpadanah, and Zechariah and Meshalem on his left hand. Does anyone have any of those names? No? That's good. And Ezra, that one's easy. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. So this is great, because what we're seeing here is the practical descriptions of how the people went about hearing the book of the law of Moses. 
as it was being read to the people. We see that Ezra stood on a wooden platform. Huh, this is wood. Platform. A wooden platform for what purpose? Well, Ezra was located at the front of the people as he faced them, reading from the law of God so that the people could see him and hear him. He was put on a platform. And and that's why we have a platform. I I don't stand on a platform because in any way that I'm above people. I, I stand on this platform so you have a direct line of sight to me. And hopefully the people sitting behind the post over there, you guys can still see me. You good? Okay. And not only that, but, you know, actually in the King James Version, it says that that platform, uh, the word was translated a pulpit. And so we have a platform. We have a pulpit. Thanks to technology, we have speakers with a microphone so that you could hear me clearly. Everyone hear me and see me okay. That is why we do this. And in fact, Jesus himself used the means that he had, like when there was a multitude that gathered around him, he got inside a boat and he set himself off a little ways from the shore. And it's interesting because that was simply for the purpose that people could see him and that they could hear him. And in fact, the water provided a natural amplification for his voice. And so there's these little things that can help people to hear better because when people can hear better, they can understand better. And this helps people to know God's word better. And that just makes everything better. Whatever practical means we can use to help people to hear and understand the word of God better, we use it. And we see a precedent for that in Nehemiah chapter 8. And then we see that Ezra had some leaders that were standing beside him as he opened the law of God. He had six leaders that stood to his right and seven leaders that stood to his left. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, and the people stood during the reading. Now, there's some various practices and traditions that have been taken from this text, like having elders sitting on the platform during the teaching of the word. What do you think about having Ben Kai up here and Rob up here? On, I think we're, you, you guys good? I actually, I have them flanked over here on my right and my left, which is nice. I always look at Ben Kai and look at Rob, make, making sure, am I good? Am I teaching okay? Nothing weird coming out of my mouth? Okay, good. Um... The people here stood as the word was being read aloud. What, what do you think about next week? You guys all stand, and I'll, I'll sit during the teaching. Would that help you? Okay. Yeah, for six hours. Yeah, that's right. Now, look, all these things can be helpful. And, and these described practices, they're not necessarily God's commands, as though these are the things we have to do, because regardless of if someone is sitting or standing, or, or if somebody is on a platform, if, or if we were all sitting in a circle, if we were gathered in a home, or we were gathered in an open square, it's not so much the method that matters, it's the message that matters. What had been commanded is that the people were to give attention to God's word. See, however it is that we can hear God's word better and obey God's word better, then we should just go about doing that. And so what God wanted and what the people wanted was for the law to be read and understood because this is God's word. And we give it the highest place in our gatherings. 
We may have various traditions and practices that help people to hear the word and understand the word, but again, regardless of the method, we look to the message. And so the people stood as Ezra read the words from the platform. Now, what did he read? Well, it was the book of the law of Moses, so perhaps he read about how Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. Perhaps he read about how God renewed his creation after the flood with Noah. Perhaps he read to them the covenants that God made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, or or how God saved his people through the tried and trustworthy life of Joseph. Maybe he showed how the Jews were led out of slavery and through the Red Sea, then to only wander in the wilderness with Moses. Or how they were led across the Jordan into the promised land with Joshua. Maybe he read from Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy and they were learning again how to use that temple that was there in that place and how sacrifices were to be made to God and they were learning about all the different ceremonies that God commanded of his people. See, whatever portion was read, what we want to see is how the people responded by hearing it. And we see that in verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. Lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This sounds like a pretty active group, right? The people responded with, verbal and physical ways that corresponded to the effect that the word of God was having upon their hearts and minds. Ezra would read and he would bless the Lord, bless the Lord our God, and the people would say, amen, amen. Let's practice. God is good. I love it. People would lift up their hands Because they were so moved. Yeah, I love that. They were so moved by the word of God. They were so moved, in fact, that they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces on the ground. Okay, we might not practice that one right now. But listen, one might think, this is getting a little bit charismatic here. People lifting up their hands, shouting amen, amen, getting on their faces on the ground. And and look, just like you don't need a platform to read God's word. You don't need to shout amen or lift up your hands or bow your face to the ground to experience the spiritual renewal that God can do in your life by his word. But I have to ask you, friends, have you ever heard such powerful truth? Have you ever been so moved by the Lord that you can't help but say amen? And lift up your hands in worship. Has there ever been a point in your life where you were so moved by God's word that you got on your face on the ground and bowed low before your Lord? Again, we can honor and cherish the words of God and we can experience his renewing power in our lives without these kinds of verbal or physical responses, but But consider for a moment the spiritual experience that one is having with God as they let out a big amen. Or or consider how lifting your hands in worship in a physical posture says something about your heart. Consider how getting on your face 
on the ground, on the dirty ground, to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. See, so those who find themselves in these postures will often experience God's presence. And I'm not saying that it's a must for renewal. But if you see a church full of people who are attentive to the word of God, if you hear a church that says, amen, amen, a church that has their hands lifted in worship, and you come in and you see a people that are bowed with their faces on the ground, that usually means God's moving. That means that God is doing a work of revival, and he often will move his people into these kinds of postures as evidence that God's power and presence is among his people. So sure, it might seem a little charismatic or something. We're, we're, we're a little more refined than that, right? See, we can say amen. We can lift up our hands. We can get on our faces because God loves to see his people doing that. These are the marks of spiritual renewal. The people were attentive to the word, and there was a physical and a spiritual response to his word. But there's more. Verse 7 through 8. And Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah and Jamin and Achab and the rest of those guys with the Levites helped the people understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. I love this. See, these leaders had both the privilege and the responsibility of helping people understand his word. See, what I'm doing right now, it is both a privilege and a responsibility. It's a privilege because what I get to do when I see God's word coming into the hearts of hearers and transforming them, there's no greater gift to see. But it's also a responsibility because as I see in 2 Timothy 2.15, says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed Rightly handling the word of truth. See, what that means is that if there is a right way to handle the word of truth, then that means that there's a wrong way to handle the word of truth. And it's a responsibility for anyone who is a teacher of God's word to rightly handle it. And that's why James says not many of you should be teachers of God's word because you will be held to a stricter judgment. And so being a communicator of God's word is both a privilege and responsibility. But look how they did it. Look how they helped people understand in verse 8. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. That's my goal here, guys. Calvary Chapel Palace, that is all of our goals, all who teach God's word this is my goal on Sunday morning is to read God's word clearly and to give you the sense of it. It's Rob's goal with truth seekers and men's and discipleship. It's Ben Kai's goal with young adults or biblical counseling. It's Ryan and Sam's desire as they teach our youth. It's Jen and Nicole's goal as they teach the women on Wednesdays. What we do is we read from the book. We read it clearly we give the sense of it so that the people can understand what they're reading. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we're seeing in a very practical way this wonderful practice of expository teaching of the Bible. 
See, that word exposit or expository teaching or preaching, what that simply means is to give the sense of the meaning of the words. What, it, what it's saying is we use what's already written, and, and we read from what is written, and then we give the sense of what is written, because these are God's writings. This is his word, and this is what we preach. And so this is, in my view, the practice that I think is biblical, and I think it's the best practice to see spiritual renewal in God's people. I hear sometimes from people how they just love how I'll just read a verse and explain it, and then read another verse and explain it, and all throughout it, I'll give the practical application to what it means, and and people will say how that kind of teaching of the Bible is helping them in their walk with Jesus, and yep, that's right. (laughs) That's exactly it, because it's God's word that does the work of spiritual renewal in our lives. And that's why we teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, precept upon precept, through the Bible. I remember Mimi coming here right when the church first started. And I remember how attentive you were to the teaching of God's word, like front row, eyes locked on me. And so attentive. And I remember her coming to me wondering why she had never experienced this, this ability to understand God's word like this. And then she came to me one Sunday and she said, Pastor Daniel, I figured it out. I now know what you're doing. You have been doing expository preaching. <laughs> I said, yep, that's right. And, and that's what you're experiencing. That is what we do. We call this exposition of scripture. It's just shining a light on what's already in your Bible. And then by giving you the sense of it, what God will do is he will illuminate his word in your own heart and in your own mind so that you yourself can follow Jesus and grow with him. You can read your Bible and you can understand it. And so what else happened on that day as we breeze through these last words in Nehemiah? We're going to read a lot of section here. Verses 9 through 12, it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn, do not weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then they said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet. For this day is holy. Do not be grieved, for all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Have you ever had this happen to you? Have you ever read and understood God's word and it caused you to weep? I can recall many instances in my life, I'm sure you can with yours, when the water gates of my eyes just start flowing. Because God's word has pierced my heart and his word has convicted me of my need for the Lord. 
And I can recall many times when I've been moved to weeping as I consider the great cost that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ paid for me as he gave his life on a cross for me and how he shed his blood to forgive me and to wash me of all of my sins and that has moved me to tears. That has moved me to weeping because what God's word does And many times in our lives as we follow him is it confronts our sin and our rebellion and it makes us mourn. His mercy and his grace then gets poured out upon us and lavished upon us where it makes us weep because we are so washed and forgiven by our Savior. And that's exactly what happened when the people understood the laws that was being read is that they realized that they had come short of God's law, that they had sinned and fallen short, and so they mourned and they wept over their sin. And notice that Nehemiah, Ezra, and the Levites go out in verse 9, it says, guys, this day is holy to the Lord our God. Do not mourn or weep. This was the Sabbath day. And today's the two-year anniversary of our church, so I'm not going to try to make anyone cry right now, right? Only happy tears today. But what we see here is that there was a renewing happening in God's people where they were mourning over their sin. But they were told to stop. You need to go. You need to celebrate the feast that God has commanded. You need to go and eat the fat and drink the sweet wine, Does that sound tasty or what? Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. Gather the people for a party because God is renewing his people and this day is holy to our Lord and God commanded for there to be rejoicing on that day. And that is where we see that well-known scripture there at the end of verse 10. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Someone needs to hear that today. Someone needs to hear, do not be grieved. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I know that at moments and seasons of my life, I have been struck with sorrow and grief, sometimes without cause and sometimes for great cause. Sadness for no apparent reason and sadness because of sin or sickness or death. I have been grieved by my own sin. I have been grieved by the sins of others. There have been many times and there will be many more times in my life that I will find myself mourning and weeping because it's all part of the human experience. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. And there's times that I need to rejoice because God says to rejoice. There are times that I don't feel joyful. In fact, I feel very sorrowful. But there comes moments when you need to tell your soul, be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. Yes, we rejoice with those who rejoice, we mourn with those who mourn, and we know that weeping will last for a night, but joy will come in the morning. We know that in heaven, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Amen, amen, for the former things have passed away. But if you find yourself right now at a point in your life where you are struck with sorrow and grief, whether it's from sin, 
or sickness or death or any other thing. There comes a time when you need to hear these words and you need to respond to these words. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, nothing makes glad the heart like knowing that God has promised us restoration in his word. A beautiful thing that happened that day and the people said amen. And then verse 13 through, four, or through 18, um, I won't read all of it, but it says that the people went and verse 13, on the second day, the heads of the father's houses and all the people with the priests and the Levites came to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. Did you, did you hear that, men? So the fathers led their families by studying God's word. And as they study God's word from verse 14 to verse 18, you should just go read it, it's beautiful. They, they rediscovered the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths and they went and they made these outside dwelling places with leafy branches and they made tents basically and had a big camp out. And they sat under the stars and they looked at the stars and they remembered the promise that God made to Abraham that, that as many as the stars are in the heavens, so I will make your descendants. And how they'd been brought back from exile and how God had still preserved his people and he had promised them that he would do a great work in them. It's a beautiful thing then when you see the renewal of God's people. And so from verse 18, I'm going to read this final verse. It says, day by day, from the first day to the last day, they read from the book. And that's what we're going to keep doing here at Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. Every day and every week and every month and every year till Jesus comes back or we go to be with him. Amen? Amen. Amen.